Oh, yeah, we're Well, good morning, La Jolla Community Church. How's everybody today? What a beautiful morning to worship the King of Kings. Let's stand and sing. Oh, 
seated. As you arrived, you will received a bulletin, and on it you'll find a connect card and a prayer card. If you're joining us for the first time, please go ahead and fill out that connect card so we can get in touch with you and keep you connected. And as well, fill out the prayer card so that our prayer team can be praying for you uh, for wherever you may need for this week. And you can drop off the cards as well as your tithes, tithes and offerings on your way out in the foyer. At this point, I'd like to go ahead and welcome up Pastor Steve Murray for the message of the morning. Well, what a day. Uh, what a fantastic Fourth of July weekend. Um, 
excuse my voice, I, uh, I got food poisoning on Saturday, and I'm fine now, but you know the aftermath of having food poisoning? You can't talk very well, so I'm fine. Uh, my voice isn't so fine, so um, I am considering a career as an FM DJ, though, because you always have that low, kind of a rough voice, you know. All right, we're starting a new series today. We will not be doing uh, conversations following a service, uh, following uh, the break today. We're going to jump into that conversations format again next week. Uh, but for this weekend, we're starting, uh, we're launching uh, a new series. We're calling it The God of Wonders. So we just heard a great, couple of great songs about the God of Wonders. The Lord of heaven and earth. So we, we declare unequivocally that, 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 that the Lord uh, is, is the Lord of heaven and earth. That all, through him all things were created, through, all things, through him all things are sustained, for, all, for through him all things are held together. Uh, his is the supremacy. And so we're going to be exploring all the implications of that. And then at the same time in conversations, we'll be talking about what, you know, what are some of the processes that we see to give us some indication about the wonders of God. Uh, I know this is a big topic for some people, uh, the idea that, well, can science and faith be reconciled? Should they be reconciled? Are they irrelevant? Uh, to each other, or are they absolutely integrated? Of course, we believe they're absolutely integrated. Uh, we're a congregation uh, filled with science people. That's always been the case. And um, we hold very highly the fact that, yeah, all things were created through Christ. What processes uh, were involved aren't what, aren't what the Bible talks about. What the Bible talks about is who made it all and why. But during conversations, we're also going to then have some time to, to reflect on, well, what are some of the processes that we see? And how does that reveal some of the amazing and wonderful things about God's wonder and God's glory in the world? Uh, <clears throat> years ago, a fellow named Francis Collins, who uh, mapped the human genome, uh, was the head of the National Institutes of Health, a uh, phenomenal uh, follower of Christ, uh, having become a Christian as a scientist and a, and a doctor, I said, how do I, how do I give language to my new faith? And so he has been a proponent of that. And uh, uh, if you're familiar with the Veritas Forum, the Veritas Forum came out of Harvard about 20 years ago. A, a student posted on, back when they had boards you could post things on, uh, hey, are there any Christians here who are interested in getting together for Bible study? Well, about 200 people said, yeah, I'd love to. And out of that, uh, a really neat movement on the Harvard campus started uh, that then caught on and became the Veritas Forum. Veritas is a slogan, a motto uh, for Harvard. And they said, you know, what if we took these conversations about who Christ is on this campus and uh, exported that to other campuses? And so the Veritas Forum does a phenomenal job of bringing articulate scholars, academicians together, uh, and, and talking about faith. And uh, so we have, I think I've mentioned this before, we have sponsored some of these at UCSD. It's powerful because you have these world-class uh, people in their field talking uh, unapologetically and creatively, articulately about their faith. And it's been really a powerful, powerful movement. If you just want to see some of these, uh, V-E-R-I-T-A-S, just Google Veritas uh, Forum or Veritas, uh, you can have some incredible moments. It's, it's kind of like TED Talks at a higher level basically. And so uh, out of Francis Collins' journey, uh, he created a thing called BioLogos. How do we talk about life? How do we link the word logos, uh, the word of God, um, with this idea that God created all things? And how do we talk about that intelligently as we, as we build our faith? And it's been a very powerful movement, um, certainly in the scientific community, uh, but then in our whole culture. So we're going to be looking at some BioLogos videos. They're very brief videos. We've been using the Bible Project uh, all year. It's been fantastic. And these are similar kinds of videos, a little bit shorter than the, the uh, Bible Project videos. And uh, they're really compelling. So we're going to have some great conversations. I'm looking forward to that. But today I, I want to talk about God's creativity and ours. Uh, because the God of wonders is inherently uh, creative. Um, how many of you have ever been to Birch Aquarium? Okay, if you haven't been to Birch Aquarium, uh, I had to confess, sadly, after 25 years of living here, I'd never bothered to go to Birch Aquarium. My family had gone. Finally, a couple years ago, I went to Birch Aquarium. I was late to the party. It's a fantastic, fantastic place. Uh, but here's the big news. <clears throat> some of you've, you have heard of the company SAIC. Some of you work for SAIC. 
it was a phenomenal company, and uh, William Beister started that. Uh, he was a, an amazing guy. Anyway, um, the Beister Family Foundation uh, gave Birch Aquarium a million dollars to bring the blue penguins to San Diego. So you might be saying, uh, okay, uh, how, do they, how do they serve them? With fries or salad? How do, no, no, the blue penguins are not a meal order uh, at the cafe. The blue penguins are the most amazing creatures you'll have ever seen. They're the smallest penguins on the planet, and they're literally blue. They uh, are cuter than cute. You would have thought Pixar invented them. They're that cute. And so uh, they've, they've converted that outdoor area at, at the Birch Aquarium has been converted into this incredible uh, environment for the blue penguins. And so we are fortunate in San Diego to have this happening. So uh, we're going to be going on the 13th, I think. Uh, uh, we're being led by a four-year-old to tour Birch Aquarium and visit with the blue penguins. Uh, so the blue penguins are one of those incredible and beautiful and whimsical expressions of God's wonder and God's creativity. And you can go, you know, from there to the next interesting creature uh, that you can imagine. Uh, if you've done any scuba diving or snorkeling, you know how majestic it is. If you're down in Mexico and you're down in the water, and all of a sudden one of those whorls, you know, one of those circles of amberjacks engulf you. There's like 10,000, 100,000 amberjacks, not touching you, but, but like these silver, beautiful pieces of silver jewelry just going all around you. You're thinking, this is amazing. Uh, you know how it is if you're out canoeing, kayaking in a boat, and a dolphin or porpoise starts following you. It's the most incredibly wonderful thing. Uh, you know how your pets go, right? Your pets make life better. All those kinds of things are expressions in the, in the natural world of God's creative capacities. If you've done any open ocean sailing, there's nothing like being out in the open ocean. Uh, there's no ambient light. There's just the stars. And whether it's the northern skies or the southern skies, you see these incredible formations. And it's amazing, right, if you're out in the water, uh, far out in the ocean, to see weather, right? You know that it's an odd feeling to see weather and to see the formulation of weather. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, we're going into weather. And then, oh my gosh, we were just in weather. And look, there's weather. It's just so incredibly wonderful. Uh, you take that at the very, you know, the, the most macro level, the kinds of things that we see out in the universe, kinds of things that happen and nobody's there to watch them but God. And sometimes we get a glimpse into that micro world, that subatomic world, uh, when there are things that we see that have impact, we're not sure what they are. So have you seen a quark lately? Uh, what is your favorite quark? You know, these phenomenon that represent the wonders and the creative powers of God. And of course, then you have to say, in God's image, we are made, and you see the creative powers of people who can actually help us see this stuff, understand this stuff, understand some of the processes of the world we live in. How about this? Uh, there's a summer series in La Jolla at the Concert Center. Uh, Conrad Prebis, may he rest in peace, who left us with a hospital, has also endowed a, conference, uh, a, a concert hall. And you hear the exquisite music that people have, have written and the exquisite music that people play. Does it not boggle your mind? No matter what kind of music you like, when you, when you hear beautiful music, it just, it just does something to you. Why? Because we're made to resonate to music. Uh, and so I can go on, 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 and I will. Um, how about in the world of fashion? As goofy as fashion can be, high fashion can be so goofy, uh, but when you see fashion in terms of the fashion that people are actually expected to wear, the beauty, the materials, uh, whether it's decor in a home, whether it's landscaping a garden, see, all these things uh, resonate with us, not because they're, they're built to impress, but they're built to evoke in us something that is the equivalent of walking around Carmel, California, or Big Sur. They're just so naturally beautiful, and they fit the natural environment, but now they're part of the, the built environment. All I'm saying is that when you go on and on and on and on and on, you can't help but be overwhelmed by the wonder of this world. It's a wonderful, 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 wonderful world. It's a world imbued with God's glory and creativity and the human capacity to somehow not improve on that, uh, but to cooperate with that is absolutely inspiring. This is what's so beautiful about small kids. You watch them in that creative mode. When they learn something and they start to manipulate that word or those materials, 
uh, or their bodies are trying to do creative things. You, you can touch that in your own life. If you take just a moment, think about what were your happiest summer memories as a kid? Now, you know, probably what you'd say is it has nothing to do with technology. It had everything to do with the freedom to go run and play and discover. So that curiosity and discovery that God has built into us is a powerful, powerful part of our human experience. How about relationally? The design of relationships. If you grew up in a family where nobody understood how relationships worked, uh, and, and you finally get to a place in your life when somebody gently leads you into a process of self-discovery in terms of relationships, understanding the inner world that is you, understanding how relationships can be reconciled and can be built, can be deepened. That isn't the best day isn't the marriage and or the wedding, and if, after that it's downhill. Uh, that those dreams and the aspirations that we have when we finally realize them don't become nightmares. And if they do become difficult and overwhelming, there's ways to find, okay, I can live into this and experience this in a whole new way I had no capacity for or didn't know possible. You've experienced this. You've experienced discovery and you've experienced recovery. Now, part of this is so important because what happens is we get numb. As Pink Floyd used to say, comfortably numb. Sometimes you use substances to become numb. Sometimes you use busyness to become numb. Sometimes you use material things. Sometimes we use experiences. I'm going to go here, I'm going to go there, we're going to do that, we did this, we did this, we did that, we did that. And we're just constantly in motion. We're filling our lives with content, but there's no stickiness because it doesn't really do anything. It just fills up the time. And all of a sudden we become deadened and inured to the wonder of this world. That's why it's crazy to think about the United States is the most depressed country on the planet. Literally, in terms of diagnostics and, and, and descriptions and, and uh, um, uh, what, what doctors would say, this is a pattern. What, what counselors would say, this is a pattern. We are a very, very depressed nation. Isn't it crazy to think about? It? We're an anxious nation. We're an angry nation. Not hard to miss that. It goes from zero to 60. Uh, and, and you think, okay, we live in an angry, anxious world. Uh, wow, what happened to all the wonder? So we're going to be processing this uh, in the next weeks. But beautiful places abound, beautiful art is accessible, beautiful things are designed and built. Uh, bodies are being healed, people fed, babies adopted. Babies adopted. It sounds so simple. Uh, babies being adopted, not aborted. Amazing. Whatever your political views are on that, um, God bless you as you sort through that. But the wonders of God is that we are wonderfully and fearfully made. In our mother's womb, we are created, and we bear the image of God. Uh, and to think that um, that would somehow be disrupted is shocking, right? But babies are adopted, bodies are being healed, kids are being educated. It's a wonderful world. It's a wonderful world. And human creativity is mind-boggling, as is human depravity. Because as soon as somebody comes up with some awesome new thing, somebody's trying to game it, or hijack it, or distort it. In the, in the beginning of the internet era, uh, all these kids and families were shocked when their kids were doing homework assignments about the U.S. government. They'd go to, they'd, they'd, they'd type in usgov.com, and it was a porn site. You have to go U.S gov.gov and so one of our members um, um, who was an IT guy said I'm going to create a seminar called the Surf Safe Seminar and uh, that was a really powerful thing and so we basically trotted that, we, we trotted that out around San Diego uh, we invited all the leaders in San Diego together and said hey here's some resources that you can use and here's what churches can use, schools can use Etc. It was very powerful uh, because it allowed people to, to not see the, the internet as a scary, dangerous place for their kids, but a place that just took some wisdom and discernment to navigate. So this is the human dilemma. The, the human capacity for creativity is mind-boggling. So is our capacity for depravity. How do we sort it all out? Well, I think we need to start at the beginning. 
Uh, how about Genesis 1? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. <laughs> that is probably the most looked-over phrase in this opening line of Genesis. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Uh, let's put it in a, in a personal perspective. The Spirit of God is hovering over you. Having created you, the Spirit of God is hovering over you. Will we acknowledge the Spirit of God? Will we turn to the Spirit of God? Will we repent of our sin, confess our need for His absolute grace, and turn to the one who created us? Uh, this is part of the first step in making sense of the fact that we can be both incredibly creative and incredibly depraved. Sometimes the same person. You know, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that Mozart was a conflicted person. The movie Amadeus, you think, this is painful. How can such an incredibly talented person do such self-destructive things? And then you go, oh, it sounds like my life. We can be our own worst enemies, right? Uh, why is this such a trite cliche that somebody who, who does so much so well all of a sudden tanks it? It just seems like, is this a script that everybody has to somehow sign on to? Is the price of success signing on to a script that says, I will then sabotage myself? It just seems a human way, though, right? But God created and God hovered. God saw, God called, God made, God set, God blessed. All those beautiful phrases in one verse and the rest of that chapter. God created us in his own image and told us to be fruitful, to release the creative capacities that he's given us. Every single person in this room has creative capacities. I can tell you how you know them. The way you talk to your cat. The way you talk to your cat reveals your creative capacities. Why are you talking as if that cat understands you? Why are you related to your cat as if your cat has a point of view? It's a funny story about a guy out um, on for, going for a walk around his neighborhood and he saw his neighbor talking to her cat. And he got home and he couldn't wait to tell his dog how silly that was. <laughs> Can you believe that lady? Talking to her cat like her cat understands. And the dog was nodding his head all knowingly, right? How about the way you talk to babies? The most uptight, keep it together, don't reveal how I feel, and never look silly person in the presence of a baby goes nuts. Uh, years ago, this is an odd story, but I got this call, and a famous, famous, famous um, British theologian was in town, and somebody said, hey, I've, I've lent this guy my car. It's a Suburban. Would you, would you show him how to drive it? <laughs> it's in Newport Beach, California. I'm like, right, Okay. Uh, and so I, I pick him up, and I knew who he was, but I, I, I'd met him briefly one time, but I didn't really know him, so here I am hanging out with him for the day. Um, we jump in the car, and we drive <laughs> to Newport Beach down the coast toward Laguna, and he goes, people are so friendly here, the way they're waving their hands at me. I said, yeah, it's very amazing how that's working. Uh, and I didn't bother to explain what was going on, because he was driving this thing like a Disney cartoon. It was just any lane would work, you know? And, and finally, it was so stressful, I said, Hey, you know what? what do you, would you like a cup of tea? He said, oh, I'd love a cup of tea. So we drive back to our house. We walk in, and we have little babies. And he sees the baby, and he's this august theologian. This guy, you, you never see him crack a smile. He's just always talking about these heavy thoughts and these big ideas. And midway, he, if you saw him, you go, oh, Dr. Torrance. And he just launched into some theological conversation that it seems like he's in the middle of, in his head, and he's pulling you into it as if you understand what he's talking about. As soon as he saw the baby, he took the baby, and the baby is pulling his hair. He's going back, you know, he looks like, uh, you know, he's wearing a fright wig now, and he's cooing and talking to the baby. And I'm thinking, okay, this is the amazing human capacity that God has given us to try to communicate, to try to connect, uh, this is one of the most beautiful things that we get to see. And see, God made us to be fruitful and to be creative and to be engaged and to care about the, the most insignificant things, blue, little blue penguins, little babies who can't talk. 
And God, uh, actually, the writer of Genesis tells us at, at the very end, it's 31 verses in Genesis. Uh, God tells us, so Genesis says, that God says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. All the things he made, as you remember, he would say, and it was good, it was good, it was good. And when it came to human beings, he said, good, good. Tov, tov. Very good. Exceptionally good. The highest form of good. So the story that we see in Genesis that opens up to the larger human story includes human disobedience, despair, degradation, dysfunction, and death. And we get dragged down into that pit. It permeates us internally and externally to the point that that's all we see. And so we live lives that are, of course, defended. And I'm suspect of everybody. And I don't know who I'm safe with. And when, when somebody surprises us by actually being normal or kind, it disarms us. We're like, whoa, thank you. We're moved deeply because we just don't expect that. And so God hasn't abandoned the world. He has never, never abandoned the world. He said there's a consequence to your rebellion, your disobedience, but he's never abandoned the world. And in fact, he's placed eternity in our hearts, a yearning for the world that we were created for. You have a yearning for the world that you were created for. That we call that eternity, a, 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 a yearning not just for a long time, but for life as it was meant to be lived. Life the way it's supposed to be. One of the great lines of all time is, it's not the way it's supposed to be. You can quote this yourself anytime you get into some crazy situation that's absolutely mind-boggling, and just remind yourself, instead of profanity, try this. This is not the way it's supposed to be. It'll help right-size your thinking in that moment. But he, he has placed eternity in our hearts. He has a plan. And therefore, because we bear his image in us, we have a sense of wonder and creative motivation. We can try to suppress it. Okay, think of every story you've ever read or movie you've ever seen about POWs. They're miserable. They're being beaten. They're being deprived. It's heartbreaking. Having known POWs, I can tell you, hearing their stories, they're pretty much at peace with it. I can't listen to the stories and not cry and not be just so moved deeply for them. Or to see a movie, I, I can't even watch these movies anymore because you just think it's, it's, it's just not right. And yet, the creativity, the creativity, having had guys tell me, yeah, so on Sunday morning, we would tap out a worship service. Guys would tap out parts of hymns that they could remember. People would tap out prayers that they uh, knew. People would communicate with each other for all kinds of things. But the fact that they'd find a way to communicate when there's, there's, there's earthen, stone walls separating them, bars, metal doors, they're heavily guarded. Or you see the things that people make in captivity. The famous Birdman of Alcatraz, you know, you know I mean, all these kinds of things. This is, you cannot suppress human creativity or curiosity because we are filled with wonder, even in our most abject pain. I mean, even to the point that it sounds, you know, sarcastic to say, I wonder how long this food poisoning will last, right? So truly, I mean, it's, it's a, it sounds like a silly refrain. Truly, it's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful world. And we aspire to do wonderful things in a world engulfed in chaos and in death. Uh, but evil continues to hold us in thrall and undermines our best intentions. And God knows this. This is the good news. What's the good news of the gospel? God knows what it's like to be us. Because he came among us. Years ago, uh, a woman wrote a great, it was a rock, a rock tune, but it was basically, what if God were one of us? Of course, he, he was one of us. And so he promised to redeem the world he created. And he raised up people to tell his story. Uh, people of faith. Abraham and his family, then a tribe, then Israel. Uh, we see the way they reflected on this. Psalm 145 tells us, One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. As a way not to engage with life? No as a way to right-size my understanding of life, as a way to refocus myself on life. 
We never, ever, ever use our faith as a way to avoid reality. We use our faith as a way to get to reality. Faith is the portal for reality, not the escape hatch. Everything else is an escape hatch and a denial of reality. Now, if you see somebody who is incredibly well-dressed, you can't assume, oh, that's a denial of reality. No, that's a beautiful expression of creativity. But if you see somebody endlessly going after the same stuff and it's never satisfying, you have to say, this is no longer about the fact that you like cars. A truck pulled up on a street this week. It's the longest truck I've ever seen. A very high truck. One guy gets out of the truck. He's a big dude. He had this little handheld device. He hits a button, and the door goes up. And this big, giant, I mean, long, um, uh, like, a, uh, what do you call it? I mean, a ramp comes out. And, and, you can see, and then, then, the, then the ramp could go to three different levels in the truck, the basic level, second level, third level. He finally figures out where he wants to go, and he goes to the third level. He climbs up there, and next thing you know, he's backing out this brand-new yellow Ferrari F8. I feel bad for the guy, because the whole time he's backing out, he has to look at my Grand Wagoneer. <laughs> that 1988 Grand Wagoneer is dominating the street. I felt bad for the guy. I almost went out and apologized. I'm sorry, I'll cover it if, that's, if that helps. But uh, the guy who, two doors down, the neighbor who was getting it, the wonderful guy, he comes out, and you can see him like a little kid at Christmas. He's just standing there watching this thing come out. And I, I, was, I was sitting there... Uh, having a bite to eat at lunch, I'm like, ah, oh, I wish I could, I wish our four-year-old was here because he loves this stuff. Anyway, so the car comes out, the guy backs it down. Uh, he leaves. I had to go do other stuff. Then later in the day, uh, I, I walked outside, just stretched my legs, and there's, there's my neighbor walking along with his dog. I said, are you having a good day? He's just beaming, smiling. He goes, oh my gosh, you're having a great day. And so we started talking about cars. Now, this is a guy who doesn't need a car. Um, but he's a guy who's very much at peace with himself. And, and so he's really interesting here. He just loves cars, you know? So, so don't judge anybody because they have beautiful things, or they love beautiful things, or they think about beautiful things, or they have fine taste in anything. Just say, there's a person who appreciates the way God created them. But beware that when you run into people who their whole life is absolutely numbing themselves with this stuff, it start, starts out trying to be comfortably numb. After a while, it's not comfortably numb. It's work. I knew a woman who spent $1 million a year on clothes. One, I, I, didn't, I, I, I would say, I don't know how you do it. And her husband says, well, I know how she does it. <laughs> but they have so much money, it doesn't matter. And so it's not a judgment. It's just, okay, and that woman knows she needs to work on some stuff, and she is. But if, if, if there's no limits, we can do any kinds of number of things to, to, num- to, to miss the fact that the idea is that we're supposed to be speaking of the glorious splendor of his majesty that meets our neediness. And so the psalmist says, I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. So what we do is we focus on who the Lord is and what he's about and let him help us sort out our proclivity to somehow compromise the very things that are made for our pleasure and that are part of our identity that very quickly become idols that demand our fullest attention and our complete obeisance. Things that we end up serving, not enjoying. So a simple life isn't depriving yourself. A simple life is being satisfied. Every economic study on the value of things comes up with the same conclusion that the highest value is not needing anything and enjoying everything. So if, you, if, if a friend of mine who was in the boat business for a very long time, we used to always say, if I just had a bigger boat, then I'd be happy. See, we, we all tend to fall into that. But by telling the great and wonderful works of God and reminding ourselves of his mighty acts, we find a, we find a way to you know, de-link from that internal drivenness. If I just had that, then I'd be okay. If I was just two inches taller, 20 pounds lighter, whatever, I don't know, several, several degrees higher in my uh, IQ. 
So God is still with us, working wonders, and the wonder of his love shines in the darkness. For God, it says in 2 Corinthians, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. And so God continues doing what he's always done. He's hovering over the world. He's hovering over you. Will you respond to me, he's saying. Let me show you how to experience this life even in the midst of its fallen state, because a better world is coming, and you can be part of that. He's still creating. He's still seeing. He's still speaking. He's still calling out. He's still blessing all who respond. Are you one of them? I think you are. You wouldn't probably be sitting here today. Or maybe if you're sitting here today out of just pure curiosity, you could be one of those people who would experience God's blessing, not because of who you are and what you've done, but because of who he is and what he's doing, and it includes you. And so John, uh, who is one of Jesus' disciples, bears witness to this in his gospel. And he uses the pattern of, of Genesis 1 to talk about his experience with Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, Nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all humankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then at the end of that chapter, he says, To all who receive him and believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. That means you're beloved. You are beloved. God denies you no good thing. He gives you what you need as you need it. He entrusts things into your care, talents, treasure, time, to use to enjoy life, but to bless others in his name. And ultimately that glorifies him. Peter said it this way. Peter, uh, one of Jesus' disciples as well, now, having responded to Christ and the grace that we have in in him. Now we are a chosen people, a new Israel. And Israel hasn't been thrown to the side. Israel has been now brought forward. Like Abraham didn't start out as a Jew. He started out as a person who trusted God. And through him came a whole nation we call the Jews and Israel. And now through Israel, all nations are blessed. Now we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. It gives me goosebumps reading that. We walk in his wonderful light. And when that wonderful light is shined in us and through us, all of a sudden horrible marriages start to come together. Horrible circumstances start to become more bearable. Difficult decisions become possible. Sacrifice and suffering becomes doable. Handling success without losing your sense of identity becomes normative. Finding ways to give what you have to others who need it becomes essential for your sense of who you are. We walk in his wonderful light and we join in his wonderful work as he guides us home because we're not home yet. One of the reasons we do all we can to somehow fortify ourselves with stuff is that we think we're home. We're trying to make it as good as it can be. We're not home. We're on our way somewhere. One of the great things about traveling is it forces you to realize you don't need everything you own. You just take the minimum you, you can take and, and you move through the world. And if you somehow overestimate what you need, the airline, will, airline people say, hey, by the way, you don't really need that. Oh, okay, sure. And, and, and as you go, you realize, you know what? I really don't need everything because what I've got... Uh, is what I need. And it's really good. When we first moved here 27 years ago, we put all of our stuff in storage. Now I say all of our stuff. It wasn't that much stuff. But it seemed like a lot of stuff. Because when we first started, we had zero. So by the time we, we closed up a three-bedroom home up in Orange County and put it all in storage, it seemed like a lot of stuff. And we, we, we lived um, in the village for a few months before we figured out where we were going to live. And Eventually got our stuff out of storage, so it was about four months that had gone by. When we opened up that, that the, when the stuff, the stuff was delivered, 
It was like Christmas. Oh my gosh, I had no idea we had this. Oh, that is awesome. Wow, that's great. And we realized it was great to have it all back, but we realized also we didn't need it. It's not that important. We appreciate it. It's got memories attached to it. We just don't need it. We're not home yet. We're on our way home. Some of us are closer to being home than others, but we're all, all on our way home. This life has an expiration date stamped on it. And so we're in a relationship with Jesus and through him with one another, daily discovering and discerning the wonders of God's creativity. We draw that out of each other. That's why we need to be close to each other in community. Otherwise, in isolation, we get despondent, despairing. We make up ugly stories about who we are, what we're worth, and what life means. But in community, those stories right-size themselves because the Spirit of God speaks into it. Why? Because that where two or three are gathered together in his name, he's there. Tomorrow we celebrate the Stars and Stripes. Happy birthday, America, the greatest country on earth. Having been born in another country, I am very grateful to be a citizen of this country. Happy birthday, America. We celebrate the Stars and the Stripes. One of the most stirring songs ever. John Philip Sousa's Stars and Stripes Forever. You cannot hear that song and not be moved deeply. Today, we celebrate Jesus Christ creator of the stars who bore the stripes so that we could be set free. Tomorrow we celebrate a nation, and rightly so. Today we celebrate the one who makes nations like this nation possible, and rightly so. So the night that he was betrayed, Jesus gathered his disciples together, and after time of teaching and conversation, he took some bread and broke it, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It was the Passover. And he had said he wanted to celebrate the Passover before uh, the next events. In the same manner, he took a cup of wine and he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we do. We remember that he created the stars and he bore the stripes. It's him that we celebrate. It's him that gives us a renewed, continuous sense of wonder and allows us to stay in touch with his creativity and ours. And so, Lord Jesus, we've come into your presence to celebrate Holy Communion, a Eucharist, the Lord's Supper. We do so knowing that we come confessing our absolute need for your absolute grace. We come knowing that you welcome us and you deny no one who comes by faith in your name. And so, Lord, as we come to you, maybe some having been far from you for a long time, some not quite understanding all this, but wanting to walk with you, some having lived a lifetime of you, with you, trusting in you and glorifying you. In any case, Lord, all of us belong to you by faith in your high and holy name. And so as as we receive the bread, as we receive the cup, may we do it with the full assurance of your absolute love for us, We thank you and praise you in your high and holy name. In the name of Jesus, amen. So um, please come up and and wherever wherever it's closest to you, uh, receive one of these, take one of these little uh, units of of juice and uh, bread. Uh, Take the bread out first and then uh, eat the bread and drink the cup back at your seat. uh, And uh, you'll hear some words like this. This is Christ's body given for you, Christ's blood shed for you. And then we're going to continue worshiping the Lord, and we're going we're to pray over Ryan. Uh, this is his last day with us. And then we'll uh, uh, have a benediction and uh, enjoy some fellowship on the patio. Come and receive Holy Communion whenever you're ready.
Ryan, would you come up here? And would some of you come up and stand around Ryan? Some of you students, uh, you guys sit in the back. You know who you are. Come up here. Anna, Jonathan, Brandon. Okay. Haley, you want to come down and stand next to the main man? Just put your hand on him somewhere because you're going to be blessing him by your presence and by your touch. So Ryan, thank you for saving, uh, for, for serving and uh, being here, answering God's call. Uh, our prayers are with you as you go to St. Mark's Methodist Church across town. May they be blessed by you as we have been. May they build into you as we have. May they continue to walk with you in your journey as God is lifting you up to proclaim his gospel in a world that desperately needs it. So, Lord Jesus, we pray for Ryan and for Haley. We thank you for their service uh, to you, to this church, to your church worldwide, and pray that in this next chapter, this next season, you'd speak to the needs in their hearts. You would speak to the needs of the people that you bring them to. That, Lord, you do a continuous and continual work of grace in them that would spill out from them and bless others. That you would keep, help them keep their focus on, on you together as a couple. And then, then as a couple together, they serve in your name and uh, point other people to you as well. Lord, give them sheer dogged endurance um, for the challenges ahead. Give them patience, forbearance. Uh, renew their strength when they, when they feel like they've got none left. Uh, increase their joy. Uh, give them a sense that you are with them at all times and in all ways. Give them a deep sense that because you are with them, all things are possible. Lord, do a healing work in them and through them in your body. So we thank you for the way you bless us. Now we share that blessing with others and, and commission them, Lord, to go in confidence to pursue this calling in their life. We thank you for your church in this community worldwide. We thank you that you're at work so many places through so many different kinds of people and that we are one as your church. And when we celebrate, we celebrate together. When we grieve, we grieve together. So, Lord, uh, on this day when we have mixed feelings to say goodbye, we are very excited for him and what you have for him ahead. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Take some time afterwards to, uh, to greet Ryan and tell him how he's meant, uh, what he's meant to you and encourage him uh, on his way. And let's finish worshiping the Lord. Who else could make?
makes us worthy uh, to be what we were created to be, people fully alive, people engaged in a world that is filled with his wonder, expressing his creative wonders in us and through us, one day at a time, now and forever. You are that person. If you've asked him into your life, if you've opened your life to Jesus, you are that person. You are that person in process. Don't be discouraged if it's going slow. And don't be discouraged if you're having some setbacks. Don't feel like you've got it made if it's going really well. Just know that. He's in you and with you. Keep reaching. Keep risking. Keep trying new stuff. Why? Because it keeps you alive and vital. Depend on him in all things. Celebrate him in all things. Share him in all ways. And you will be so alive. Life will just flow out of you like rivers of living water. If we can pray for you about anything that concerns you or anybody else else in your life or other situations, go right around the corner to the front of the church. There's a beautiful prayer garden there, and there'll be people that have a brief prayer with you if you like that. It's super neat to have people pray for you. Uh, otherwise, come out and have some, uh, some refreshments in the patio. Have a wonderful rest of this weekend as we celebrate the 4th of July tomorrow. So now may the, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord, who loves you more than you could ask, or imagine, give you everything you need to walk in newness and fullness of life with him, both now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And give, give Ryan your best wishes on your way out.